Hello and welcome to the Innovation Exchange, a bi-weekly podcast about innovation for innovators created by the Portuland Institute. Innovation Exchange amplifies emerging voices, transformative ideas and creative solutions. Today, we're going to be exploring how to reconstruct open innovation in highly regulated spaces. With that, I'm thrilled to introduce today's guest, Megan Dorr. Megan is the principal scientist at Sage Bionetworks, a nonprofit that pioneers data-driven predictive modeling to understand and treat human diseases. At Sage, Megan focuses on building partnerships for innovation in open science. Megan, it's fantastic to have you with us today. It's lovely to be invited. So with that, I think that I will start with a kind of introductory question, just to get some of the key concepts out on the table. What does the notion of open innovation or even open source innovation mean in the context of the biomedical research field? So that's a really good question. Um, Sage does all kinds of innovative work, right? So we, we started just asking researchers to share data sets more openly, um, but we found that wasn't enough, right? We needed to think more creatively about how to get more minds on the data. And this has led us to convening communities of researchers and posing dream challenges and other innovative, cooperative, biomedical research solving endeavors. As we approached our 10th anniversary, we started to look at who was involved in open science And we found that even though our data sets are becoming richer and more representative of the population of the world, right, and our approaches to solving are becoming more creative, the people, the folks involved in open science weren't necessarily reflecting those gains in diversity. In SAGE's 2020-2022 strategic plan, we are really focusing on that. So in addition to amplifying the reliability and efficiency of responsible data sharing, which, you know, is critical to open innovation, um, and establishing the reliability of novel research methodologies, which is also critical to open source innovation. Um, We have recognized our responsibility to actively work towards increasing representation in health research. So I would say open innovation is not just putting things out there, but it's bringing people together and it's thinking critically about those communities that you convene. And I'm sure that the kinds of innovations that are produced when a room is filled with a diversity of perspectives and a diversity of intersectional identities are very different from those produced in a room where maybe there isn't that level of diversity. Can you tell me about a time or a project in which you realized how central diversity is for open science and innovation in this field? So I'm working on a project right now, which I'm really excited about. Um, With funding from the Wellcome Trust, um, SAGE has partnered with researchers in the UK, in South Africa, and in India um, to do a feasibility study for a global mental health data bank comprised of data from youth. So we know that um, the majority of mental health challenge arrives in people's lives between the ages of um, 12 and 24. And so this sort of adolescent to young adult um, time period is really, really critical. And so obviously having data, having rich data about people's lived experience during that time would be really, really helpful for researchers and scientists and for people with mental health challenges themselves to understand more 
about how these challenges arise and what can be done to help mitigate them. So what's exciting about this project is that um, it is a community-driven research project. So we have um, youth advisors, uh, youth advisory teams in each of the three countries that are involved, the UK, India, and South Africa. We have a multinational youth panel. And then as part of the, of the feasibility study, we are interrogating community-driven data governance for the data bank. So working with youth both in a ascertaining from them both quantitatively and qualitatively, in what ways would they want to be involved in the governance, the oversight of a data bank like this? How would they want their data to be used? You know, is, should it be used to be able to develop medicines that are sold for profit? Or should it be only available to researchers who are doing mental health research? Or, or is, could it be used for larger health researches? And so that type of shifting agency and shifting ownership back to the communities from which data is being, um, you know, shared, I think is really, really critical um, to these open systems to make sure that they're representative and to make sure that they're responsive. The idea of shifting agency and ownership is incredibly powerful. It's related to the next thing I want to ask you, actually, which is about regulation and innovation. The field of biomedical research is much more highly regulated in some contexts more than others, in some areas more than others. How does community-driven open innovation work in this kind of field? Hmm. So, so I think... Um that there can be misconceptions about the degree of regulation in research. So some, um, some research is, is very highly regulated and other types of research, it's like the wild west. Um, it, it may be changing. You know, we see some signs of that maybe with the um, GDPR and the California uh, Privacy Protection Act, but, but it hasn't shifted globally yet. Um, I think the greater challenge is working between highly regulated biomedical research spaces, like working with medical records or genetic information or imaging data, and then the wild west of wearables and other lived environment data. And we now know that both of those data sets are critical and real power comes from marrying them together. So rather than, uh, focusing our attention on this sort of patchwork of regulations that exists both in the United States and internationally. If we stay focused on the ethical principles, that then allows us to do creative thinking about how to best conduct this participant-centered, community-engaged health research. I want to kind of um, swing around to a key aspect of SAGE's work, which is benchmarking reliable methods. In, you know, navigating, as you said, this wild west of patchy regulation in some areas, strong regulation in others, what does it mean to benchmark reliable methods and then share them among, as you mentioned, these communities of researchers, these communities of practitioners? Whether, whether we want to admit it or not, um, reliability is the Achilles heel of, um, of scientific research, right, of discovery. Um, and one of the things that <laughs> inhibits researchers from sharing their data, ironically, is that they're worried that, I think, 
many researchers worry that their their findings won't be replicated um, by others. And what we're trying to do is move from researchers from that mindset to a more team-based mindset, which is, you know, better science happens um, when we all get to check each other's work. More more minds are more better um, in this way. And so creating um, shared data sets and then creating um, transparent methodologies for interrogating those data sets is really, really, really fundamental to this question of how how much we can trust science. Um, and so not only do we need data set transparency, but we also need interrogation transparency. And that's where these uh, reliable benchmarking activities uh, come in. I think the concept of better science happening when we can all check each other's work is, I mean, it's important anyway, but I think in the past year, particularly with the COVID crisis, we've realized just how important it is. Can you tell me a little bit about how this crisis has changed the field of open science and data sharing? So if there was ever a case, right, for embedding open innovation norms in research, (laughs) the, the COVID pandemic has made it, right? There has been a tremendous amount of open data sharing, and it has, without a doubt, accelerated our response to the pandemic. One example of that is uh, the genomic sequencing um, sharing of for the COVID variants, right? So this this has been tremendously helpful. Um, but there, we've really seen some push pull in the scientific community about just how open open is, and these discussions, like about the ethical con- and the ethical considerations they raise, these are these are critical conversations for the scientific community. This debate about what is open, for example. I don't know if you saw, um, there was recently a a commentary in Nature and um, some letters back and forth. Um, Some scientists are rebelling against the recommendation for all of the um, COVID uh, variant sequences to be published in the GSAID database. Um, And while anybody can access the data in the GSAID database, the data housed there are not without requirements for use. Right. And so some researchers are saying, well, that's not open. They're saying these requirements hamper the free flow of information and slow solving. But on the other hand, other researchers, especially notably those from lower and middle income countries, are pointing out that the GSAID requirements allow them to retain sovereignty over their work and that promotes equity in science. And so there's no quick answers here. Um, balancing these ethical obligations we have. I mean, certainly we have an ethical obligation to move as rapidly as we can towards better solving when it comes to this pandemic. At the same time, running roughshod over um, the work of um, of others, especially those in under-resourced areas, is is unacceptable. So creating a system of checks and balances within the open ecosystem, I think is um, is something that we need to spend more time as a scientific community discussing. The um, field of data governance for biomedical research has undergone, as you mentioned, immense transformations in the past few months. But in the next year, where will these conversations be happening, in your opinion? These conversations about finding that balance between ethical obligations for good data, but also good data governance. I, I think that we're seeing actually a confluence of um, 
events happening. Um, so we have, of course, the pandemic um, pushing us towards um, a global solution as, as quickly as we can. Um, and then we also have rising recognition of um, racial justice issues um, and, and equity issues, certainly here in the United States and Europe and around the world. Um, and then we also have growing recognition of the environmental crisis. And I think that these three things in combination sort of bring us to the nexus of, of addressing these thorny questions um, in open innovation and open science. Um, I know that within the ethics community, we're starting to have more and more conversations um, about this. And I think within the tech space, um, we're going to start to see maybe a push for regulation and that push for regulation may be flipping those companies a little bit more towards uh, self-reflective ethical practice as well. So so I, I don't think that there's gonna be any one location, but I, I think that we're gonna see these uh, this theme bubbling up across a number of sectors. It seems like it's a really, you know, in terms of policy, a very intersectional um, issue, but also mm. a great deal of intersectionality in, in terms of the conversations mm. and the communities of practice and research that you're monitoring. Yeah, that's for sure. I wanted to ask about the projects in Sage Bio Networks Pipeline for 2021. You mentioned bringing together an international community of researchers for sharing data responsibly with benchmarks on mental health practices. What is Sage Bio Networks doing in terms of the COVID crisis and responsible data sharing for that? And what problems is Sage Bio Networks seeing on the horizon? So we at Sage have been fortunate to be involved in a number of different um, consortium responses to the COVID um, crisis. Um, everything from consulting on the informed consent for the vaccine um, trial development um, to um, helping with uh, database and, and real world data collection. So, so we've really been involved in a, a broad spectrum of projects. As we look ahead um, to the next year, one area that I'm really excited about that we're going to be focusing on is involving communities in the scientific research cycle. So, so not just having community members um, advise on uh, scientific design or serve on an advisory board, but actually building up research capacity within, um, within communities so that they can ask and answer their own questions um, in parallel to uh, researchers doing um, their interrogations. Sometimes communities um, will say, you know, we can't get scientists to pay attention to the question that's most important to us. Or they might say, you know, when the scientific community asks this question about my community, it can feel harsh or uh, unwelcome. But if we ourselves were able to ask the same question ourselves and, and look at the data without others looking in on us, um, it might be helpful to us ourselves. And so um, we're trying uh, through a number of different projects, including um, a research project we call Deckler, to um, to integrate communities into this scientific solving life cycle. Returning to that core idea of agency mm. and ownership. Mm. Megan, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Learn more about Megan's work at sagebionetworks.org where you can read more about the organization's responsible data sharing, 
benchmarking reliable methods, and understanding real-world evidence. Thanks for tuning in to Innovation Exchange. As a reminder, you can find our episodes on Spotify, Apple Music, and on our website, portulandsinstitute.org.